Hey there, I'm Courtney. And I'm Emily. And this is the Mostly Awkward Podcast. The place where it's completely acceptable to be afraid of losing control. How's it going? Good. In this episode, we're piggybacking a little bit off of our episode that we did last week on irrational fears, and we're going to talk about some fears again, but today we're specifically talking about travel-related fears. I feel like like travel's its own bucket. It comes with a no. lot. It's a lot. Travel's a mess. And I like when you love to travel, you deal with it, but travel's a mess. I do love to travel um since that high school that surprised me about you actually yeah because I'm very much a homebody like in most parts of my life again we talked about this I would like to have my blanket and my marshmallows please <laughs> um but I also do really like getting out there and, and broadening my my uh, you know expectations and ideals and and seeing things that I never would have seen in my small small town so since high school I've traveled both domestically and internationally. Now, the international ones are probably the ones I'm going to talk about because who really wants to hear about Vancouver unless that's a thing for you and then we can talk about it. Vancouver is awesome, but I just feel like when I travel within Canada, I'm like, okay, it's Canada. Like, I've seen this in textbooks my entire life. A little bit. The money's the same. The language is the same. Like, I'm literally just, like, looking at a slightly different scenery. Mm -hmm. Um not to diminish travel in in Canada. Canadians travel your country and get to know people from both coasts and it's great and whatever, but international travel is really my jam. And I think that that's also more yeah, an- anxiety inducing because if you're traveling abroad to another country, that is where the unknown really is at play. It's a whole new can of worms. Whole new ball game. Yeah. Honestly, just even the the preparations for travel, like I've been to Europe and Africa, uh, South America and the Bahamas, and I can honestly say like one of the biggest stressors for me is just like trying to figure out the currency before I get there because money's important. And if you don't know how to work the money, you don't know how to work anything in the country Um, (laughs) and you can't buy anything and you can't save yourself in bad situations. And you have no Um, idea how much you're actually spending on something. Yeah, you need to know the exchange. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. When we first had that weird taxi driver and we had no clue how much we paid him. Because I think we paid him like, what, 3,500 mil? Was that? Or 35? I don't remember. 3,500 mil. But in my brain, like, I'm used to, like, dollars and cents. So if you told me, like, I just paid $500 for that cab, that would have sat with me. But sitting there telling me I paid 3500 mil, I have no idea what I've just paid for this. Like, that could be anything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I find it, like, extremely stressful and anxiety-inducing, but I love to do it. So I force myself to, and I get really riled up about timing and schedules and planning because I need to have the plans and I need to know what's happening because um, I can't be late and I don't want to miss any kind of transportation because if I get stuck there, it's going to be another situation where I'm like stuck without my phone and we've all heard what happens when Emily <laughs> gets stuck without her phone. So, you know, and then once you get there, if you're not going somewhere that predominantly speaks English, you always have to worry about language barrier and trying to be able to communicate 
to someone who speaks a foreign language, I'm always so worried that I'm going to get like end up in an airport acting out some sort of mime skit just trying to like tell them <laughs> that I lost my luggage, you know? Like it's ridiculous the things that go through my head for travel. Man, talking to people that don't understand me is my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> so you just mime through life? Yes. <laughs> but that that's the weird thing. So travel for me, I don't know why, but it's the one area of my life where I can go with the flow. I just love it. I've always felt so connected to it. And it just does something inside of me that kind of no other area of my life is able to do. It's like the one spot where I can just leave it all to chance, leave it all to serendipity and just know that things will be okay. Even though, um, you know, that's not always the case. I have it literally it literally drives me batty about you that this is <laughs> that this is like how you are with travel because I'm so the opposite and when we travel together I'm always just this absolute ball of stress because you're just like everything's <laughs> fine we'll get there around. it's yeah. okay and I'm like it's no good, I need to bro. know it's good what time are we getting there what hotel did you schedule usually the answer is none <laughs> We'll get there when the wind takes us there. Yeah, like, okay, Pocahontas, let's (laughs) figure it out for real, though. Yeah, so, I mean, like, honestly, I think I should just talk about Costa Rica because that's, like, my nightmare of travel scenarios. And that's, That's like, your ideal. Yeah, and that's your, like, ideal travel scenario. And it kind of covers, like, every single thing that I have about travel. It wasn't my ideal. I was just. leaving stuff up to the universe i guess don't do that (laughs) and it did go a little awry maybe yeah so i think because i am just booking accommodations is like one of my worst i need to like know that i have stuff set up and a place to stay and a place to sleep and like whatever and i feel like this scenario (laughs) was not my ideal scenario. So I'll just like start off that I wasn't even originally supposed to go on this trip. It was going to be someone else. So I I think I've said that before. So I really didn't know a lot of the like intricacies of the planning. And I was kind of just like, Courtney knows. She's got everything under control. I'll just float along in her path. Which <laughs> I scribbled was... it down on the side of a cereal box. Yeah, like honestly, we were following your like... <laughs> tricks are for kids instructions to get any so we get off the plane um our plane ride from toronto to san jose was like normal that's what i expected of travel i was cool with it but as soon as we got to the san jose airport like everything just went out the window because and i'm sure this is true of toronto too but i don't notice it as much because again i'm from here we got off this plane and we got funneled right out of the airport like it was just like immediately get the hell out of here we don't want you in our airport and they (laughs) Shot us to the, like, street where all the cabs were lined up, and there's a whole bunch of, like, unregistered cabs that sit out there and wait for people who have no idea to just come out and take one, which is exactly what we did because we were babies in this country. So we file out, we hop into this cab, and we were headed for a bus terminal where we would catch a bus to the town we were going to, which... It's actually not a super popular town to visit unless you're like a surfer or you do yoga or like that kind of thing. Um, So it's this very small town on the coast of Costa Rica. It's called Dominical. And there's only one bus that goes there per day. And so we were heading to this bus terminal to pick up this bus. And we get in the car and we're driving with this little man. And Courtney's talking about our plans. And I think she mentioned 
the bus terminal that we were going to and where we were trying to go. And he was like, no, (laughs) you're wrong. They changed that bus terminal and you actually have to go to this other one. So super handy that this man knew what he was talking about, but also like fairly certain he scammed us out of a lot of money. (laughs) Well, yeah, because I feel like I got that information about the bus terminal off this random ass website. That just said it. Yeah. And it was probably like 15 years old. And I'm like, we don't, that's where we're going. We don't fact check. We just Come go. Along, uh, Emily. <laughs> so he actually got us to the right bus terminal, but charged us an insane amount for a cab ride. And then we think we're we not think. sure. <laughs> it could have been reasonable for all I know, but it was a lot of money anyway. Um, so we get into this bus terminal and we're like looking around for where our bus is and when it's supposed to be leaving. And I think it was literally like we caught it by like two minutes. Like we ran outside, hopped on this bus. It started up and drove off. Like there was no in between time. We just made it. It was so rough. And if we had missed that bus, (laughs) we would have just been in San Jose for the night. (laughs) No problem, bro. And Courtney like hadn't even booked accommodation. (laughs) So she was like, we'll just find a hostel in the city and stay there. And I was like, no, no, we will not. We will catch our bus, we will get to our destination, and we will figure it out from there. And if we have to sleep on the beach, we will sleep on the beach, but I'm going to be where I need to be. (laughs) So we did catch this bus, which was like an insanely long bus ride. It was like five or six hours to get from San Jose to this coastal town that we were going to. And it was like a beautiful drive. We went through like the cloud forests and jungle, and it was great. And the whole time, Courtney and I, like, definitely watched this man in the seats across from us oh, uh, yeah. live a double life on his cell phones and, like, definitely <laughs> cheat on his significant cell other. Cell phones, plural. He yeah, had he had m- multiple phones and was definitely cheating on someone. And we watched him for, like, the whole time. <laughs> it's very enthralling. And then, because, again, we got our travel information off of an outdated website, I'm pretty sure. Or it was just the wrong day. Um, <laughs> or Courtney made it up. Yeah, so it started, like, pouring down rain while we were on the bus. And we were supposed to be taken right into the town and dropped off in front of the place that we were going to stay at. Uh, That didn't happen. The bus stopped on the side of the highway, opened the doors, and was like, we don't go into the town on this day. You just have to walk. (laughs) And it led us out on the side of the highway in torrential jungle downpour. And I mean, like, for anyone who doesn't live in an area that has a rainy season... It was, like, heavy, heavy rain. Like, soaked through. Yeah. Soaked through rain. When it rains in Costa Rica, it really, <laughs> really rains. So I, like, it's impossible. Like, we're standing on the side of the highway. I'm soaked through with my stupid pink luggage that I carry around with me. And we now have to walk, like, down this hill into this town to get to, like, the only open store in the town. Because the store is literally three town, like three restaurants and a store and a tourism center that's closed. Like, that's it. There's nothing else going on. Uh, so we walked down. It's this like little, it looked like a convenience store to me. It ended up being their grocery store, but it looked like a tiny, shabby little convenience <laughs> store. I was literally like, you're going to go into this ESO and figure out where we are right now? Like, <laughs> So I sent Courtney inside because I was done for the day, done peopling, done traveling, done everything. You need to deal with it. So she was like, okay. And she wanders in, still in a great mood uh, to go <laughs> and find directions from whoever was in there. And while I was standing out front, this creepy little van pulled up. The the van we're all told to stay away from is children pulled up in front of the (laughs) convenience store. It was white. It had no windows. It was like just the the generic van of don't go near this. He's not offering you candy. Um, And a man got out of it, a man who was not wearing any shoes. 
And he walked over to me and he said, I can give you a ride. And I said, no, thank you. Because <laughs> I'm Canadian and I have learned that vans and men with no shoes should never meet. Um, and then he like, I think he understood <laughs> where I was coming from, probably having met quite a few people from North America. And he was like, no, no, you misunderstand me. I am the tourism driver for the town. I'm taking these people. And he gestured to the other human beings he currently had in his white creepy van. Um, and he was like, I'm taking them back to the resort. And then I have to come back through town. The resort. The resort which Courtney did not book us rooms in. The resort. No. <laughs> so he drives off. Courtney comes out. She's got directions. She's like, it's just down the road and around the corner and blah, blah, blah. But it's a pretty far walk. And I was like, that's fine. I have Van Man coming back to pick us up in a hot minute. <laughs> I walk outside and Emily's like, I've secured us a ride. Yeah, I've secured us a ride <laughs> with a stranger in a van. <laughs> Don't be alarmed. So Trip is off to a great start. And I... In all honesty, this man ended up being very pleasant, and we enjoyed him. Yeah, he's so nice. And he was he's very really nice. well known in the town. But to two kids who just rolled in off the highway, he's a sketchy man in a van. So he gave us a ride to the hostel that Courtney had intended for us to stay at, which was called, like, Cool Vibes or at something like that. I think so. Um, yeah. And he pulls up out front, and he's like, okay, what time were your reservations for? And I was like... What reservations? I am with the chaotic <laughs> whirlwind that is Courtney. What reservations? And he's like, oh, they like for you to have reservations, but I'll talk to them. So he literally went in and like convinced these people to let us have a room in their building, which they did. Ended up not being very much of a building. It literally just had a roof. <laughs> a roof and some netting and an iguana scrambled through there in the morning. At, like To the point, like so many iguanas that the one of the girls who like ran the front desk was like, don't stand directly under the rafters because if they pee on you, it will hurt. And I was like, it does hurt. And I was like, it's what? They, they pee from the heights and it falls on you? Like that's a thing? So yeah, that was fun. And we basically slept on the beach. It was like lovely. Lovely to hear the ocean crashing yeah, around we us. Fell and... asleep. We fell asleep to the sounds of the rolling waves, Emily. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, the rolling waves and the air whistling in and all the bugs flying around. and <laughs> It was great. And then the next morning, the next morning we uh, got directions to the shipping container we were going to be living in for the next little while. Because, yes, it was a shipping container. And the instructions there, because nothing has road names, <laughs> was like, Walk up the long winding road along the river, past the waterfall and the fishmonger's village, and it will be uh, after the second Y in the road, the third house on the right hand side. Those were the directions <laughs> to get to the place that we were staying in. And that was like a half an hour journey. Like this was not a short journey. And those were the directions we had. <laughs> so a journey that Somehow was. We found it. Yeah. And, like, a journey that was originally supposed to be, like, plane, bus, hostel became so super complicated in the interim because we had, like, somewhat sketchy instructions scrolled on the side of a cereal box and, <laughs> like, it just was not my ideal kind of travel. Yeah. After Emily left, I lived in a shipping container for three months in Costa Rica. Had a great time. Was happy as a clam. In my little box. Had some moldy clothes, though. That is true. <laughs> Costa Rica is, it's so humid there that everything is moldy. Your clothes don't dry when you do the laundry. And when you do the laundry, you don't have, well, we didn't have a dryer like you would have in North America that runs off of, like, gas or electricity. 
No, you just had like a human power dryer that worked off of centrifuge that you just whipped around really fast and hoped that enough moisture came out of your clothes for it to somewhat <laughs> dry in the sticky, sticky dampness. My hair was so confused that entire time. It was like big, but wet, but like, yeah, <laughs> couldn't brush it. I couldn't get a brush through my hair. I'm not meant to be in a Costa Rican climate, I think we discovered. I guess another like part of travel that I never used to really have much of a problem with is um, airplanes. And so I still don't. I still like 747s, the big guys that get me places. I like them. But but smaller planes, I, I've started having a problem with. And I like my original first bad plane ride situation happened like one of my first trips I ever took, which was to Spain, because I don't think they understood who they were dealing with. There were two groups of students that were going to Spain because uh, they split us up to keep better track of us. And one of the groups got a direct flight from Toronto to, to Spain, wherever we were staying. I should have been in that group. I sh- they should have given me the direct flight. I think they would have. If they'd ever met me. (laughs) Because this other option was not great. So we had the group B that I was in had a lot of complications. It was um, we left from Toronto. We landed in Montreal for a quick layover. Then we boarded in Montreal to land in Germany for an eight hour layover. And then we had a final interior flight from... Uh, Well, because we flew from Germany to Madrid and then from Madrid, we had an interior flight to Malaga. So there was like so many flights in there. But that's insane. Yeah. They must have been trying to get you there like as cheaply as possible. And I think like I think they also because they couldn't fit us all on one plane. And I think they wanted us to have similar arrival times like within the same day, because I think we arrived like eight hours after the other group had already arrived. But they wanted us to be there on the same day. And the only way to do that was to have like this like uh-huh. janky rigmarole of flights, at, which would have been fine, except for the layover in Germany, because anyone who's ever been to the Frankfurt airport <laughs> can agree it's confusing. Uh, but me, the little anxiety ridden bat that I am, I uh, had my boarding pass and my passport and like everything like with me in my little fanny pack, carrying it around the airport like a little creature. <laughs> And we all got off the plane and we were like hungry and uh, someone had been like, there's a McDonald's, but they were very unspecific about where it was. So my entire like group of high school students was like, yes, McDonald's. So me with my little boarding pass and passport and all my information trots off after all of my friends to go find McDonald's. And because we were very confused Canadian high school students, we ended up walking through some sort of security checkpoint that we should not have gone through. And so all of these like, uh, German police, not police, but uh, airport attendants were like running at us yelling. Quick note to the Germans. Don't run and yell at Canadian people walking through a security. We don't handle it well. We're very terrified. And I'm sure that they weren't actually yelling anything like bad at us. But German's a terrifying language and we were very unfamiliar with it. And it was loud and it was scary. Um, and so by the time they like got to us and stopped us, we couldn't turn around and go back the way we came. We had to like come all the way out and go back through the security check. But in order to go back through the security check, you needed your boarding pass and passport. Neither of which any of the other people had because they didn't think that we were going to be walking aimlessly through a security checkpoint. I, however, had planned for all circumstances. And so I had to run back in <laughs> with my little boarding pass and passport. I had to run back in and get to the luggage and find everybody's information. And there was like five of them. So I had to like gather up the teachers and be like, I need passports and boarding passes for like these five students. And like we had to like go through people's stuff and gather it all up so that I could go back out and bring them all back with me 
through. It was like playing Pikmin. I had to go gather all my little guys and bring them back with me um i love that game <laughs> and then like we finally got back and while like we had been dealing with all of that there had been like a gate reassignment so our entire group was like standing up and leaving all of our luggage was still there they'd had no idea where we were except for the teachers that i had spoken to who were kind of like looking around for us but like w- we would have been just like left and <laughs> would have had to find our group which ended up going like upstairs and on a different level it was so weird what is with frankfurt and changing the gate at the last minute because the exact same thing happened to me and we had to run across like the whole airport it's huge the last 10 minutes it's a huge yeah. airport like it's one of the biggest airports i've ever been in and they reassign you at the like i what yeah i broke my shoes i literally <laughs> broke my shoes because of the frankfurt airport ran right like, out thank of you. them thank you um <laughs> Yeah, but then I guess uh, right after that, we had this, like, we flew into Madrid, and then we had this, like, interior flight, Um, which is where my, like, fear of small planes really started, uh, because it was, like, I don't want to say unprofessional, because I feel like it was just a language barrier thing, but there was definitely, like, Spanish flight attendants doing the, like, safety measures, uh, video, voiceover, whatever, but they were doing, like, the wrong actions for the wrong parts and, like, putting on, like, the air mask when they were supposed to be showing me how to use, like, the blow-up vest. And so I was like, oh, God. You're like, I'm not learning. I'm gonna die. <laughs> I'm gonna die. So, like, Airbus ended up just being, like, three and three with an aisle in between for seating-wise. And I think it maybe sat, like, a 100 people, maybe, if I was being generous. And when it took off, like, I was like, okay, it's just a smaller plane. I'll deal with it. But then it, like... It wasn't a long flight. It was like 40 minutes. And like 20 minutes into this flight, two people came out of the cockpit and just walked to the back of the plane and went into the back. And I was like, aren't there only two people that fly a plane? Like, I don't I don't know a lot about flight paths and, and aerospace and like whatever, but I feel like there's usually two pilot, co-pilot. That's the general thing that I get. So they both left. And I was like, <laughs> like who who's flying the plane? Who's flying this who? tin can right now? Because I'm... I'm in a junk plane and I'm flying around in the, uh, over Spain. No one knows where I am. So, um, they went back with like the flight crew and we heard them like having like a little get together back there. I smelled popcorn. I'm sure that they were having a snack. (laughs) And then I could also like, while they were back there, I could like feel air like whooshing past my ankles. Cause I was like fairly far back in the plane. And I was like, again, not an expert on planes, but I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to feel the outside when I'm inside. Like, I, I think that creates, like, some sort of a vacuum situation that isn't ideal for flight. I <laughs> Help me out here. Um, <laughs> so I was very stressed out for that whole flight. We also, uh, my friend and I sat next to a little Asian woman who spoke no English, and she was emptying the entire contents of her purse onto her, like, meal tray because some sort of packet of like makeup or cream or something had exploded in her purse and she was trying to clean it up. But they were also trying to bring us like in-flight food at the same time for a 40 minute flight. We got little sandwiches. Anyways, they brought out this food and neither one of us could use our trays because she had them all down and all of her like cosmetics and like purse stuff was just like scattered across it. And I was like, lady, you're using other people's trays to clean up your purse now. And then once she got it, like, cleaned out, she started putting, like, things back in one by one. But she was, like, using them as she was putting them back in. So she had, like, 
one of those like clean and clear like oil blotting sheets and she was like blotting her face off and then she'd like put that back in her purse and then she'd like grab her hand lotion and she'd use it and then she put so it was just like i was just sitting there this whole time like (laughs) so stressed out for this whole flight finally landed and it was fine that just made me think of something do you know those like little i don't know how to describe them they're like those little jelly lip glosses that people used to have and they had that rolly ball at the end of it I was on a plane once and my lips were so dry and I really needed some lip gloss. So I reached into my purse and I pulled out my little rolly ball lip gloss. And I guess because of the pressure or something on the plane, when I opened the lid and twisted it off, that little rolly ball shot out. Oh no. <laughs> and, it, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and I felt like the lady sitting next to me, I felt her kind of like move and like rub her hair. And then I turned and I kind of sneakily like looked over and the little rolly ball was like in her hair, like slowly moving downward. (laughs) So you just like smashed a ball in some other lady's head. And I was like, um, excuse me. Oh, you told her? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Excuse me. Uh. My ball, it, well, I guess because of the pressure, it flew out and, um, well, it's in your hair. And I reached over slowly and pulled it out. Was there like lip gloss all over it too? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was like, so even though that flight was terrible, that's not the worst plane ride I've ever been on. My worst plane ride was definitely in Costa Rica. And it was like, so it was a, it was the small regional airport that I had to beg for the bathroom at. I think we've already gone over that story. It was, <laughs> you know, it was super fun. And when I checked in. You had a good day. Oh my day. God. I hated that day. That's like <laughs> still to this day. It's one of my worst days ever. Yeah. So when I, once the bathroom episode had finished, I still had to get on the plane. Um, and when I checked in for the flight, they literally made me stand on a scale with my luggage so they could weigh us both and balance the plane correctly. Um, and I didn't really understand that at first. And then I saw the plane that they wheeled out and it was just like a toy. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a toy plane that they put me on. Um, it was a propeller plane. And I don't, there's probably some people who have been on propeller planes before, but it maximum fit like 20 people. It was like one row and one row with an aisle in between. And we all like clamber into this plane and I sat down and the pilot was already sitting and he was directly in front of me. Like I could have leaned forward and just smooched the back of his head. That's how close this man was to me. Um, I didn't even have to stand. I would have just had to lean forward. Um, And then the co-pilot came on and he had not already been seated. So he came up from the back of the plane and like walked forward. And when he went to like get into his seat, he like turned and his butt like just brushed across my face so i just like had like full co-pilot ass across my face and he was like oh excuse me like he just like stumbled into something and i was like yeah that was my face my my face just got up close and personal with a part of you that it should not have ever touched um so that was like awful and then he sat down in his seat and he like reached down into like the door of the plane And he pulled out, like, and I don't know if this is common practice or if this is just Kevin and Fred didn't know how to fly a plane, but he pulled out, (laughs) like, a laminated list of directions. And they both started, like, intently reading them and doing the things that were on the list. And so I was like, usually in a flight check, 
like you're checking to make sure you've done the things you're not reading and then doing the thing right like so that freaked me out a little bit and I was like what is this list so then we uh took off on our like hourish long flight across Costa Rica uh I was like staring out the window at like the scenery trying to desperately forget that I was hurtling through the air in a plastic frisbee uh (laughs) that had been carelessly tossed uh (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like really trying to not focus on the fact that i yeah i'm in this horrible little hang glider and the pilot just like reaches up and he turns this little dial and i just kind of noted it because i was again so close that i could smell this man (laughs) so i saw him do this and i was like oh cool like a little dial thing whatever and like then went back to fastidiously staring out the window at the trees to make sure we weren't landing on them um (laughs) and so a, a while went went by like maybe another half an hour and this like alarm starts blaring and i'm like oh does anybody else hear the alarm that's happening in this frightfully small plane that would not protect me from anything if it were to fall from the sky uh and the pilot went whoops and he reached up and he turned that dial again and i was like oh did this man just say whoops in the middle of my flight because i'm (laughs) i'm dead i've died (laughs) it's terrifying um, and then we like were so close to landing, so we were like coming into San Jose. And I have been on a fair number of planes in my life. And normally when a plane descent happens, you feel it, you know you're going down, but it's a nice smooth, like angled entry, and you can be like, ah, there is the city that we are landing in, here comes the runway, isn't this lovely? Look at all the lights, we're coming down nice and soft. If we land right now on the landing gear correctly, we will be safe, everything is fine, everything is great. This this plane descent was not that. This plane descent was, hey oh, we're gonna just drop through the air real quick, uh, for about a hundred feet, and then we'll level out, and then we'll do it again, and then we'll do it again. So it was like <laughs> They would just drop straight down vertically and then level out and and fly for another like minute and then drop again. They did it about seven times and I was gripping the chair like it was a dentist chair. Like I had like claw hands. I'm pretty sure I left permanent fingerprints in those armrests and I literally was like, this is where I die. Like I I had it. This is the end. I've had a great vacation. Good thing because I'm dead now. And it was like 15 minutes of descent, but just drops and then levels and then drops and then levels. And my anxiety was so high by the time we actually landed that I was like, I don't even think I can get on another plane. No matter how big it is, I don't think that I can get on another plane and fly into Toronto. I'll just stay here. I'll just live in the San Jose airport because my plane terrified me so much. Uh, I think I even texted you afterwards and was like, what the hell was that? Yeah. <laughs> This is the worst plane ride of my life. So yeah, that was the worst one. I I still have not recovered from it. I will never get on a small plane ever again because I can't can't handle it. I think you've also had strange experiences on those Costa Rica planes, though. Yeah, the Costa Ricans, they really need to reanalyze their... Improve! Improve your system. It's all I'm saying. Get one one plane that's bigger. You don't need seven small, small planes. You need one large plane. They are pretty scary planes. But yeah, I know what you mean. On one of these flights that I took in one of these tiny planes, we were going to land. And (laughs) as we were descending and landing, we literally hit a tree. And we hit the tree hard, like really, really hard. And it bounced us back up into the air as we were trying to land. So we got bounced back up. 
And then the pilots were like, whoa. And I was like, uh, yeah. yeah the the reactions yeah. from them, the whoops and the whoa. <laughs> like, come on, guys. You're, you have one job. You yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and we had to circle around and. Just do a mulligan. We're going to, we're just going to try that again. We didn't work out. <laughs> we're going to try it didn't again. Didn't work out the we'll first skip time. the tree this time. <laughs> but I did also miss my flight once. And I think that that would have terrified you. Yeah. I'm not, I, I would up. not be okay with missing a flight. <laughs> It wasn't my fault. It was a connecting flight. And first of all, I think I only had 50 minutes total to get from my one flight to my next. And we we arrived late. So by the time I got off the plane, I only had 30 minutes left. And I thought, okay, this isn't going to be that bad. I just have to get to my next gate. But no, that was incorrect. I actually had to go through the entire airport. I had to go through like this huge passport check and stand in this long ass line and I was like okay there's no way there's no way I'm making this and I'm standing in this line losing my shit and this man comes up behind me and he's like hey can I go in front of you because my flight is gonna leave and I'm gonna miss it and I was like when is your plane leaving because I'm gonna miss mine too can I follow you and he like looked at my ticket and I was leaving like 20 minutes before him or something I don't know and he was like oh shit you're not gonna make that and I was like yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm aware thank you <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware of this so I followed him through this line and then I ran harder than I've ever ran in my entire life to try to get to my flight and I just missed it like I was so close but I just missed it and <laughs> As soon as I found out that I missed it, I'm, like, talking to these, like, attendants, and I'm like, okay, excuse me, I, I just have to go to the bathroom, and then I threw up, because I was so sweaty and so disgusting, and then I threw up, which made me even more disgusting. Yeah, throwing up never improves on... the situation. It's... <laughs> no, and then they put me on a new flight, which was leaving in three hours, uh, and I almost missed that one, too, because they made me go back through this passport line again to pick up my suitcase and then back through it again to my gate and it took so long to do all this that by the time I got through I was the last person in line boarding my flight and I almost missed it again and I was like are you kidding me what is with this airport which airport was it uh, Madrid oh Madrid I have another bad airport story this was actually the first time that I ever left Canada or the United States. I was going to Spain and I was going for a student exchange. So I was going to be gone for three months. So that is kind of, I guess, a bit of a stressful, different situation. But a few days before I left, my brother had the stomach flu and he was really sick and he was throwing up. And my mom was like, stay away from your sister. She cannot get sick she has to go on a plane i'm gonna go with you did get sick of course uh. <laughs> i woke up and i felt so bad so bad i immediately had to run to the bathroom threw up and my mom is like my mom was really not okay during this time she was so stressed out by the fact that i was sick and she called the people the organizers of this student exchange and asked if i could change my flight and they essentially were like no it's too late at this point if you change your flight you have to pay for another one so i was like okay i'm getting on this flight with the flu 
no big deal. But I was really throwing up all morning. As we were driving to the airport, I wasn't okay. When we got to the airport and we were standing in the line to check in, I had to run away to the bathroom. And the organizers, they just thought that this was nerves. They were like, she must be really nervous. Yeah. Or she's just sick. <laughs> yeah, the thing was, I didn't feel nervous. I, I just felt sick. I don't know. But I was really frightened to get on the flight because it's kind of scary if you're on a flight. You don't have a lot of control sometimes when you can go to the bathroom or not. And... My life. That's my life. <laughs> and it is stressful. I didn't want to throw up all over the flight. Luckily, I didn't. I also refused to eat anything. It also sucked because there were a whole bunch of other students there and they were all like making friends and and I was literally just like dying in the corner like don't look at me. <laughs> Miserably on your 8-hour transatlantic flight, you were just like laying in the corner of a plane suffering. Yeah. To change the tide here a little bit, I've gotten ripped off in so many different places and times and circumstances. Have you? Have you gotten ripped off? Honestly, no. Like, honestly, I'm usually really, uh, I don't know the right word, which is strange for me, but like, I'm usually really aware of that. I'm really like on top of it. So that, that time in Costa Rica, I was like less, less diligent is probably the word I want to use. I was less diligent than I usually am. And like, was just trying to get somewhere and kind of threw caution to the wind. But like, normally when I'm in like a foreign situation, I have a friend with me or I'm in a group setting or like whatever. And I'm so prepared for that kind of stuff that like, I don't go into those situations or like I, I I won't even like buy things from like super local places <laughs> unless I've like sketched them like sussed them out for a few days because I don't want to like pay the wrong price or like whatever so I'm like usually usually I'm on top of that but well all the times that I have it's been kind of I don't know it's out of my control I think like they they're pretty sneaky people that obviously there's a lot of people out there to rip off tourists it's probably like <laughs> a lucrative business yeah they they uh, make their living off of it so well I've had a lot of taxi cab encounters that are pretty sketchy this one time as soon as I stepped out of the airport it was like this taxi driver just saw me as a target he was standing outside of his taxi and he told me to come with him so I was like okay cool, scored myself a taxi. And he made me sit in the front seat and he kept his hand on my leg the entire, nope. <laughs> the nope. entire ride. Yeah. And I was so scared of him and I was so sketched out and I was like, I am getting murdered here. And then he didn't turn on his meter and I didn't notice because I was so freaking sketched out by him that when we got to our destination, he was he said something crazy like we were only in a cab for 10 minutes maybe and then he's like oh it's 50 euros nope and i was like that i even know yeah, that's I a was nope like, that doesn't make sense but again i'm so scared of this guy and i just want to leave so i go to give him 50 euros and he's like what about my tip oh my god this is literally like always sunny again where it's yeah, like because exactly, of the implication because of the implication <laughs> i was so scared of him that i just I think I gave him another 20 euro as a tip. I'm like, here you go. Like, can I go live now? Can I escape this situation? Yeah. Am I going to like be able to remove myself from this uh, cab in a life situation? Yeah. Or... That was scary. 
And I also got ripped off in Paris. Just This happened a couple months ago. People can really come up with just some sneaky ways. So we were going to, you know, a tuk-tuk? We were going to ride in a tuk-tuk. I love tuk-tuks. <laughs> but we were going to the Eiffel Tower, and we didn't have a lot of cash on us, uh, but we wanted to ride in a tuk-tuk, so we asked the tuk-tuk driver how much it would be. She said 25 euro. And we were like, okay, great. We only had, I think, 35 euros on us. So we're like, okay, cool. We can afford that. So we got into the tuk-tuk and she drives us to the Eiffel Tower. And again, it was very close. It was like 10 minutes. We go to get out and I say to my boyfriend, I'm like, just give her the 35 so that we can give her a nice tip. And we give her the 35 and she's like, this isn't enough. And I was like, what? And she was like, um, it's 25 per person. But you know, she didn't say that, you know, when we were getting into the tuk-tuk. So then we were in the awkward situation where we didn't have enough cash on us. And I had to go, like, running, looking for an ATM. And this woman was, like, following us because we were essentially ripping her off if we didn't do it. But it was just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of annoying, the situations that you get into sometimes where people are trying to rip you off and you don't really have any choice in the matter unless you want to cause like a big scene you know which i, I find though that don't. um that you are you are very susceptible to like people getting your attention in public like even in the mall with you when we used to walk around and those like makeup people that stand at their little like <laughs> booth things and i used to be like don't make eye contact look at the ground walk fast and somehow they would still get you <laughs> And I was like, how did this even happen? Because I told you what to do. Were you looking around? Were you <laughs> No. <laughs> did you make eye contact with them? I think it's but they somehow It's because I look just... lost. We've talked about that. It's that lost, yeah, it's that, I have that lost, lost aura that you look. have. I have the lost look. I look like I need help and I look like a victim. That's probably also why I got followed in London. Yeah, that one was sketchy too. Super sketchy. And I didn't think I told you the full story, but um yeah, this literally was three weeks ago. I was in London. I was I was with my friends and we were trying to find food. Specifically, we really wanted some sticky toffee pudding. Love me some sticky toffee pudding. Uh, <laughs> but it was like 10 o'clock at night and we couldn't find, we couldn't find anything really, let alone sticky toffee pudding. And we ended up in this kind of outdoor market area. And we just decided that we were going to give up and we were going to walk back to the hotel because the hotel had a restaurant. So we were like, whatever, we'll just go eat there. But we didn't know how to get back to our hotel from where we ended up. So I pulled out my phone to look at the GPS and direct us there. And I started walking in that direction, just kind of looking at my phone. And I wasn't paying super attention to my surroundings. And as I'm walking and looking at my phone, my friend says to me, Courtney, stop for a minute. And so I stopped. I honestly thought she wanted to take a picture. I wasn't really thinking anything of it. But I stopped. And I noticed that as I stopped, this random man stopped as well. And my friend kind sketchy. of... Sketchy. <laughs> sketchy. <laughs> my friend kind of whispered to me, like, Courtney, that guy's following us. And I, did, I, I didn't see this part, but she said that at first he was walking in front of us and he turned around and looked at us about three times. And then he paused, like moved to the side and pretended to look in his backpack. And then as soon as we passed him, he started walking behind us. My friend noticed this, but I did not. So 
kudos to her. And when we stopped, my friend stopped us in a kind of busy area and he stopped too. And then my friend told me that he was following us. So I was like, okay, well then let's turn around and come back the way we came. And the man came too. And then we stopped again in front of this really busy cafe and he stopped again. And at this point I'm like, uh, I don't know how to shake this guy. At least we were in a really busy area. So we, there was always people around at this point, but I didn't know how to shake him because everywhere that we went and we were changing directions and he was too, and he was trying to make it not look obvious, although it was very obvious. He stopped like behind this couple and he even like said something to the couple and pointed to make it look like, oh, I'm noticing something and now I'm talking to you. And then we didn't see him for a second and it turns out he went behind the cafe and went to the other side of the cafe and was watching us from the other side of the cafe. And we were like, ah, he's over there now. Ah. And he at that point pulled out it's so sketchy that he like kept moving around but was like still staring at you guys yeah yeah every time we were like making eye contact with him too like i was just directly staring at him nonstop, and he was staring at us and we were just like in this weird limbo where we were like we know that you're following us we're standing in front of these busy this busy place yeah then he pulled out his phone and pretended to be on the phone because I think we just kept staring at him and standing still. He eventually walked a bit further away from us. And then we decided to walk a different way home because the way that we were going to go, I had pointed out and he probably saw that. So when he moved far away, we went a different way that was more busy and lit up. But Had to trick the stalker into <laughs> not following you. Yeah, but it was really scary that walk home. We were looking over our shoulders every two seconds and when we got into our hotel it felt like such a relief but but yeah there's some scary people out there there's some scary situations so you have to be diligent for sure so travel's great do it um <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hope we haven't turned you off from travel because it is great it is you just have to the fact that we continue to travel despite all of these things that have happened should let you know that travel's great <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the benefits outweigh the creepy and the, you know. And I promise that we are done talking about fears now. This has been two episodes where we've really taken you on a journey of all of our fears. From... I'm afraid of everything, so you need to be there with me. <laughs> from the irrational to the very, very rational. <laughs> Next week, we are switching up gears and we are going to talk about conformity Woo. Oh, she, she's singing a song Woo, conformity <laughs> the emily likes the conformity, conformity. Song. the conformity song the conformity dance i know conformity dance do, 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 she's do, actually do, dancing do. we have to do <laughs> we have to do the same thing that's the no because then dance. i'm conforming to your <laughs> Yeah. All right. So we hope you join us next week to learn about some conformity. It's an interesting topic. So we'll see you there. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. 
If you're mostly awkward and want to hear more, please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Mostly Awkward podcast. New ones are out every Tuesday, and they're available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to chat? Email us at mostlyawkwardpod at gmail.com or follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Reddit at mostlyawkwardpod or Twitter at mostlyawkpod. For a full list of episodes, more deets, or to see what's coming next, visit our website, mostlyawkwardpod.com. This has been a presentation of Mostly Awkward Media. See See you next week. week!